just a little bit of perspective. Jesus likes church. Think about it. When Jesus was crucified, when he was buried, he, listen, borrowed a tomb. He borrowed. Who borrows a tomb? That's like, I'm going to borrow a burial plot. He borrowed a tomb. Because he only planned on being there a little while. But while, listen, but while he borrowed a tomb, he purchased the church. Because he planned on being here a while. He planned on living here. I am the church. This ain't the church. This is the church. And he planned on living. Ah, my God. How many are excited about Resurrection Sunday? Amen. I feel good in the house. If you have your Bibles, would you open your Bibles to the Gospel of Genesis? They say gospel means good news, and there's good news in Genesis. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, and we're also going to go to John chapter 12. And I'm, I'm just feeling like today is going to be a day of healing where we're going to experience what Jesus died for us to have. But hear me, we're not going to wait until the end and just come to the altar to respond to the Word of God. But hear me, there will be levels of healing that take place in this house until we leave whole. But we are going to respond and receive each level and layer of healing as we go. All right? Is that okay? I'm just giving you fair warning. Genesis chapter 3, and let's start reading at, I believe, verse 13. The Bible says, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and and her seed. Somebody say the seed. And it, the seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Somebody say the seed. But now if you skip over to the Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 20, the Bible says this, And there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast. And the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip and cometh and telleth Andrew, because they were excited. They got somebody that wanted to come to church with them. And again, Andrew and Philip, they tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come. 
that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, that corn of wheat, it bringeth forth much fruit. Somebody say the seed. On this Resurrection Sunday, I'm going to simply preach to you by the help of the Holy Ghost about the seed. And I'm going to need your prayers to help me be able to adequately communicate this concept to you. So that we can not only hear the word, but we would experience the word today. So would you, while you're standing, would you lift your hands and your voices as high as those hands? And would you begin to pray God's divine will in your life and in the church today? Father, Lord, we thank you today for your word and those that have gathered to hear it. And God, we are asking that there would be a divine anointing to loose my tongue to speak as an oracle of the Lord for these, your precious people. I pray that you would release the gifts of healing that would follow the revelation of who you are and what you did. And I pray that that life-giving power, that life-giving word, that life-giving blood that was shed on Calvary would cause something to happen in this house, that we would experience you in ways that we've never experienced you and we pray it all in the name of Jesus and everybody said in Jesus name come on shout it again in Jesus name amen would you clap your hands one more time as you are being seated hallelujah hallelujah amen amen y'all gonna help me preach this morning Amen. Like I said last night, I got my family here. They don't always get to travel with me, so it's your job to make them think that I'm the best preacher in the whole wide world. All right. (laughs) I think we got about maybe 12% somewhere over here. Amen. Amen. Now, I usually do this, and I'm going to help you help me today. Now, if I ever go like this, That's me saying that's a good place for an amen. All right, all right. Amen. Okay, just making sure. Some of y'all weren't looking, so I was just making sure. See, in creation, everything that possessed life in creation also possessed the ability to reproduce that life through the concept of a seed. In creation, God spoke to the earth for the earth to bring forth grass and herb yielding seed. The fruit trees bearing fruit with seed in itself. Everything that God put life in within creation, He also put with it the ability to reproduce that life so He would not have to continue speaking, but He would perpetuate life through things He set in motion from the very beginning. All through the concept of a seed. 
But did you know, listen, when God created you and me, male and female, he created us and put life within us. But also with that life he put in us, he also gave us the ability to reproduce that life. But Adam and Eve, they messed it up for the rest of us. Now my wife, she said she's got a few words for Eve. When she gets to heaven. But what I want you to understand, Adam and Eve, they had separated themselves in sin because they ate of that fruit that God told them not to eat of. But watch me now. It was God that come now to Adam and said to Adam, Adam, what, what, what's going on, Bubba? What, what, what are you thinking? And Adam quickly, with his quick wit, said, that woman you gave me. And then God goes to the woman and starts a conversation with a woman the way you never start a conversation with a woman. God said, woman, what did you do? Now, I travel a lot. And most every weekend I'm gone and I come home a lot of times and I will uh, come home and my wife has maybe purchased some bit of new furniture, you know, um, and it looks expensive, you know, because the, the thing is today, shabby, chic, you buy something new, make it look old so you can have, add a zero on the end of it. And um, see, I know I'm ministering to some ladies right now. And I'll come home and I'll see something and I know that's new. And for the longest time, like when we were having our littlest, Nina, my wife, was pregnant and she began to nest. And she was trying to get everything just right and everything just ready. And I would come home to new pieces of furniture and I would be, I'd never felt more like God. I would say, woman, what have you done? Now anymore, it's like this. She's starting getting rid of my stuff. It's like you spend like the first 10 years of marriage and you're accumulating things and she's spending money on all this stuff, but then now she's getting rid of all my stuff. Doesn't even ask. She just said, he hadn't worn it in six months. It's out the window. I was like, because it's a winter sweater. I come home. Woman, what have you done? But this is what God did. He came to the woman and said, Woman, what have you done? And she quickly points to the serpent and says, That serpent, he beguiled me. And then God quickly, in righteous indignation, turns to the serpent and says to that serpent, Serpent, you're going to be cursed above all the cattle and beasts of the field, and on your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. But in the middle of cursing the serpent, hear me now, in the middle of cursing that serpent, in the very same breath, he begins to give the very first promise of a Savior 
hear the very first prophecy of a Messiah in the same breath of cursing that serpent he said that there was going to be some there would be enmity between the, thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel hear me somebody the, that's, the theologians agree that that was the very first promise of a savior the very first prophecy of a messiah that would come to save us from our sin hear what I'm saying to you that in the same breath that he cursed the serpent he promised a savior and he coupled the demise of a serpent with the rise of a savior but here's the cool thing about it all he he said that yes there's a savior coming that's going to crush your head and you'll bruise his heel but he's going to crush your head but notice don't forget or overlook how the word said that he would come the bible said you will have your seed against her seed and it the seed shall crush your head and you'll bruise his heel. The promise said he's coming, but he's coming as a seed. He would come, Jesus, as the seed of a woman, born of a virgin birth. He would also be called, according to Galatians, the seed of Abraham. Romans said that he would be of the lineage and of the seed of David. So Jesus wasn't only the seed of a woman born of a virgin birth. Not only was he the seed of Abraham or the seed of David, but even in reference to himself, when Philip and Andrew were so excited, they were talking to some people, witnessing to them about church and about Jesus. They said, well, we'd like to see Jesus. And Jesus, they run to Jesus and say, Jesus, we got some folks that want to come to church. And Jesus seemingly ignores them and begins to give this parable. Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die. And it's going to abide alone, but if it die and abides alone, it's going to bring forth much fruit. Jesus was referencing himself as that proverbial corn of wheat that would be laid in the ground and would abide alone because he was going to produce much fruit. So when Jesus referenced himself, he referenced himself as that proverbial corn of wheat. He was that seed that was going to be laid in the ground. So Jesus not only was the seed of a woman, or the seed of Abraham or even the seed of David he was that proverbial corn of wheat that seed that was going to be laid in the ground he is very much a seed but the devil forgot about the very first promise and the very first prophecy because his plan was If I can just get the Jews to condemn him 
and the Romans to crucify him, if we can hang him on that tree called Calvary, we've won. We've got him. And here's the devil's plan. They were going to take a seed from a tree and have him crucified and then buried in the ground. But according to, listen very carefully, according to John chapter 19, Bring that verse of scripture up. It says of the place where he was crucified. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher or a tomb wherein was never a man yet laid. So you know what that verse just said? Where he was crucified, where there was a garden. But where he was buried, there was a tomb called the garden tomb. So you're telling me that the devil, as smart as he is, as wise as he is, here's what he did thinking he would defeat the plan of God. He took a seed from that tree called Calvary and he planted that seed in a garden. And he said, we won. We figured it out. That's how he wins. But guess what? That's how ignorant the devil is. He forgot the prophecy that that one he pulled off of a tree and bore our sins. He was a seed. And he buried that seed in a garden and thought it was the end. But friend, that wasn't the end. That's not the way a seed works. When you put a seed in the ground, that's just the beginning of something brand Ain't no grave gonna hold that body down. So that's the devil's best plan was to plant a seed in a garden and he actually thought it was over. So when the devil thought it was over, it was just the beginning of something brand new. Man, I could preach on that a while, but that's... Uh... But let me tell you this. Now, I just, spoiler alert, his plan backfired. Because he's a seed. He was the seed of a woman. He was the seed of Abraham. He was the seed of David. He was a corn of wheat. He even prophesied about his own seeming demise. But when he came off of that tree and was laid in the garden, he was planting himself to provide for you and I fruit that we could have not received ourselves. And what I've come to preach today is that he is very much the seed. But my wife, as she normally does, blew my mind one day when she sent me an article on my phone. Now, she blows my mind just so, baby, you blow my mind. <laughs> Taking every chance I should get. Men, every chance you get, PDA all day. Make her feel like a million bucks. Oh, my goodness. She sent me an article. And this article was about some seeds. Now, I've even got the picture. Bring the picture up of the seeds. This belonged to an article that my wife sent me. My wife is the reason why I'm preaching what I'm preaching because she's so full of wisdom and she is, an, she is a sage for days. Amen. 
But she sent me this article, and it's about these seeds. These seeds were some seeds that had been found over in the Middle East. These seeds are over 2,000 years old from the days of Jesus Christ. But these seeds were found in some ancient pottery in the old town of Megiddo. Or Megiddo in, um, uh, or, no, it was another town. I can't remember. It starts with some... M name of one of those towns and they found these seeds and they found out that these seeds belong to a tree that had now gone extinct it was an ancient date palm tree that no longer existed and they found these seeds and, and guess what they did with the seeds they took a couple of them studied them but they planted one of the seeds and they brought back to life something that had once gone extinct thousands of years ago because that's what you do with seeds but the thing of the article they, they made they planted the seed and the date palm came up and when that date palm came up it literally resurrected something that had gone in extinct. But the thing is, they called that tree Methuselah. Now, Methuselah is the oldest man in the Bible that's referenced and mentioned. So they were just kind of a play on word. But here's what the article, what, it, what, what got me about this article is that these seeds, how did they know that the seeds belonged to a tree that had gone extinct? And it goes into the science behind it how that you can look into the genetics of a seed before it's ever planted and you can realize within the genetics of the seed there is already a picture painted in the genetics of the seed before it's ever laid in the grave, before it's ever placed in the ground and in the genetics there is a picture already painted that's showing you what that will produce. So they took several of the seeds and they broke them open and began to look within the genetics of the seed. And they realized with that pre-painted picture what it would produce. And they realized that in the genetics, this is revealing to us a plant in a tree that has gone extinct. See, and if that is being said about every seed, you can look into its genetics and you can realize just already painted in a microcosm of a microcosm of understanding of what that seed will eventually produce once it's planted. If you can apply that to every seed, then you could go to the seed and you could look at his body that was laid in the grave and look into the genetics of his crucifixion and realize that there are some things that he was showing us that he himself would produce in his death, but also in his resurrection that we would be able to take part of, in and of. So I'm going to look at the seed. And I'm going to look into the genetics of that seed and, and see what he has provided through his death. And his resurrection. Are you ready? Because the Bible said, according to Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. That's present tense. That's before it ever happened, it was present tense. But after it happened, he said, by his stripes ye were healed. Past tense. It's already done. 
But we can only understand this through the seed. Watch now. The first healing that the seed provided for us through his broken body is the fact that he would wear upon his head a crown of thorns and he would have a broken brow that he would take with him to his burial. And I believe that through this wound we are healed in our mind. He said, I will wear a crown of thorns and I will have a broken brow that I will take with me to the grave so that when I am resurrected, you can have the fruit of a right mind. See, you have to understand the reason why the seed wore a crown of thorns is so you could have a helmet of salvation. So he said, listen, I'll be broken and allow my brow to be bleeding so that you can have the fruit of a right mind so you didn't have to war with thoughts that are not your thoughts. Thoughts of depression, thoughts of suicide. He said, listen, there are those that will have chemical imbalances through the repetitive trauma that you faced in your childhood and you're wrestling with thoughts you cannot overcome. But there was a seed with a broken brow that said I'll die with a broken brow so you can live with a right mind see there are so many people in the world right now that are struggling in their mind and through repetitive trauma they have been conditioned in their minds to think less of themselves that they're not worthy that they're not valuable and they have been abused in their mind with verbal abuse hear me somebody you're worth more than you realize because there was a seed that had a broken brow that you could have the fruit of a right mind you hear me there's some of you right now that your mind has been warped by drugs your mind has been warped and created neurological pathways that the only way you can experience joy is through the synthetic highs that you've gained through this world but I'm telling you there is healing for every mind in this house right now so what I want you to do is I want you to lift your hands and I want you to open your mouth and say I receive healing in my mind right now healing from childhood abuse come on use your words and say I receive healing in my mind Come on, some of you wrestling, wrestling with depression. No longer let there be healing in your mind right now. That's it. Speak it. Say, I receive it now. I receive healing. Because every miracle begins with the mind. That's why I talked about what I talked about last night. If you didn't hear last night, please go back and watch it. I talked about the place where Jesus was crucified, Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. So that's where our healing begins. Our healing journey begins 
where God begins to heal our warped thought processes because we've been marred by the world and marred by sin and marred by abuse. So it starts with the mind. The mind, how we perceive things. The mind, how we think about things. It's all here. So one more time, just, just put your hand on your head and just say, Father, I receive that healing that you died for me to have. I receive healing in my mind. I receive healing in my thoughts. The way I see people. The way I respond to love. And the way that I give love. Let it be healed in my mind now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Can we go a little bit further now? Because the seed not only wore a broken brow when he was buried in that garden. But you see, he had two pierced hands. Not just one pierced hand, but two pierced hands. And I believe this speaks to healing in our relationships. On one hand, heal. now, to have healing in our relationships, you must understand that at the center of healing in our relationship is forgiveness. So on one hand... He gave us the ability to receive forgiveness for healing in our relationship with Him. But there was two pierced hands because He didn't want you just to receive forgiveness so you can have healing with Him. But He said also that you might extend forgiveness to those that have hurt. That's why He said when you pray, pray like this. He said, Father, forgive us as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. I'm telling you, He had two pierced hands that He carried on Calvary to the grave so that you could not only have healing with Him, in your relationship with Him, but you could have healing in your relationship with those that are in your life that have hurt you, that have done you wrong, that have abused you, that have done what they've done. Because healing is a flow. You receive healing. And then you are supposed to extend healing. But hear me. Watch me. It's supposed to come to you and heal your relationship with God. But flow to those that you can have right relationship with man. But if you close this hand, you stop this hand from receiving any more forgiveness. But what I want you to understand is that the Bible said in 2 Corinthians, whatever verse I gave you... This is what the Apostle Paul said, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, forgive for your sakes, he said. Not for mine, for your sakes I'm going to forgive in the person of Christ. Why? Watch what he says. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. He said, that's why i got to forgive you so Satan don't give up, get us. I'm telling you, the only way the devil wins with the church is if we do not learn that there were two pierced hands, not only for you to come here and receive forgiveness for every one of your sins, but for you to be able to extend forgiveness to your father who left you when you needed him most. You've got to be able to extend forgiveness those who broke your trust and those... 
You've got to say, Father, I forgive them lest Satan gets an advantage of us. See, that's why Galatians 5 and 16 talks about it like this. I think it's Galatians 5 and 16 where Paul said, Be careful lest you bite and devour one another and consume one another. He was saying, don't, don't, don't turn on each other. Because the devil cannot prevail against the church. But he knows enough if the devil can get us to turn on each other. And we can consume one another. You know what the Bible says in the Amplified? It says, be careful lest you consume one another. Biting one another. In partisan strife. That means... That they were fighting in the church of Galatia over political parties. He said they were fighting it back then just like we're fighting it right now. But thank God there were two pierced hands that said I'm going to learn to forgive you because for your sakes I need to forgive you so that Satan doesn't have an advantage of us. That's why the seed did what he did. Now, let me, let, me, let me just take a step back. But many times when we talk about forgiveness and forgiving people and releasing them and what they did, a lot of times we talk about the big stuff. We forgive God, we for, or we forgive them for the big stuff. Like, I mean, they burned my house down. I forgive them. You know, they ran over my cat. I forgive them. But it's the little stuff you got to learn to forgive, forgive people for. Because the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. And roots come from seeds. And you've got to learn. There's, there's times I forgive my wife. A lot of times I forgive my wife. Well, what do you mean? What do you, what, what, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's the problem. Because it's not about the big people that burn your house down or rock, t- steal your truck and take your dog. You know That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you forgiving people often and quickly because they do something that offsets your peace. And you don't want a seed of something they did to become a root of bitterness that holds you hostage. So why my wife, there are times where my wife, she will say something that she didn't mean anything by it. But I heard it in such a way that it upset me somehow in my spirit or in my peace so I'll say father forgive her she doesn't know what she she didn't know what she was saying she didn't know how it affected me because forgiveness watch now I've forgiven ministry I've forgiven ministers not that they did anything wrong but it was my perception of what they did put a seed in my heart so I have to forgive them because what you have to understand about forgiveness forgiveness is not a pronunciation of guilt forgiveness is not about them being guilty it's about me being free from what I have in my heart against them So it's not about my wife being guilty. It's about me being free and our marriage being Somebody right now, there were two pierced hands, not just for me to receive forgiveness, but there's somebody who did me wrong. There's somebody that needs what I now have. So it's those little things. 
Forgiveness is not about them being guilty. That's why there's some people, they argue, can you forgive God? Well, no, God never does anything wrong. Well, forgiveness is not about guilt. It's about me being free. So, Father, I forgive you because I did not understand what you were doing. Because you're all-knowing. You're above all things. But I didn't understand what you were doing, so I released you from my preconceived ideas of how I thought my life would go. I forget. And that's where healing in our relationships. So, are you ready? On one hand, healing coming to you for the ill-timed words that were spoken for the pain that was caused in irreverence in a relationship you're receiving forgiveness but now on that other hand extend forgiveness so right now I want you to reach your hands out right now and I want you to say Father I receive healing in our relationships right now. Healing in our relationship with you, Lord Jesus. But healing with my uncle who had spoke and did things. I want to extend healing to them right now. Extend that healing. I forgive them. I release them. I don't want any root of bitterness. Because that root of bitterness will take up the place of the seed that died on Calvary. Come on, speak those words and let healing come. Say, I forgive them. I release them for what they did, what they said, how it made me feel. I release that now. Healing. Forgiveness. Come on, we need this healing right now. If you don't receive this healing right now, there's a potential for that pain to be carried into your next relationship. There's a potential for that healing to be in your next marriage. There's a healing to be able to come into your your family and your future. You'll bring things from your last church into this church and you will self-sabotage your relationships if you do not receive healing in your relationship. One more time, hands lifted and just say it. Father, I receive healing in my relationships. It starts in my mind, but then moves to my hands. In Jesus' name. I'm telling you, by the end of the day, you are going to commit, your, commit to calling those people you got to make it right with. You don't have to call them and say, I forgive you. You just call them and say, forgive me if I've held anything against you. And God is going to restore relationships. People that even walked away from this church, you're going to see their relationships restored because you're going to reach with that other hand. Jesus' name now. Sit down, sit down. This is only just the second dimension of healing and becoming whole. Because the third, it starts with healing in the mind. Then healing in our relationships through those two pierced hands. But if you look to the seed, you will see 
that while he was on that tree, there was a Roman spear that pierced his side. And the piercing of that side, out of his side flowed blood and water. What this means medically, I believe this is healing in our emotions. And the reason why I say this is healing in our emotional state is because when that Roman spear pierced Jesus' side, the seed, it revealed the contents of his heart. The blood in the water. Because medically what happened when he was on Calvary, he began to suffocate. And it put so much stress and traumatic, uh, uh, so much trauma and stress on his heart that his cardiac sac began to fill with fluid in an effort to protect itself. So as that heart in an effort to protect itself began to fill with fluid, that cardiac sac, when that Roman spear pierced, it punctured the cardiac sac and out of it flowed blood and water, revealing that the seed died of a broken So Jesus as the seed was laid in that garden grave and he was laid with a broken heart. He died with a broken heart so that you didn't have to live with yours. So that you didn't have to continue carrying the weight of emotional baggage that does not belong to you. But you're carrying it because of your past. But Jesus said as the seed what I did by my wound, by the contents of my heart being revealed. You do not have to live in that constant emotional trauma of your past so you can be healed. That's why Jesus said, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the seed said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me, watch, to heal. But He never told us how He was going to do it. He would let His own heart be broken so that our heart could be whole. But watch what happens when you've got a broken heart. It's a progression to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight of the blind. That's why I said Friday night, a broken heart is tied to somebody that no longer has vision. They can't see the future like they're supposed to. That's why it says the recovering of sight to the blind. But watch what it says. And to set at liberty them that are bruised. Did you realize, I said at liberty then that, did you realize you can be bound by a bruise? You may not smoke, you may not drink, but you can still be bound by a bruise. You know what a bruise is? A bruise is a wound underneath the surface. It's when you're bleeding on the inside. And can I tell you, there's a lot of people that are being held hostage by hurts 
in their past and they're bleeding on the inside. They're dressed up nice and they look good on Sunday, but they are bleeding on the inside. But I'm here to tell you, I didn't come to patty cake play church, but I've come to say, listen, there are some of us that are still bleeding on the inside and we've got wounds underneath the surface and we need healing in the emotional arenas of our life. Hey, but thank God there was a seed that said, take my heart and you give me yours. So right now, I want you to lift your hands and just say, Father, I've received healing in my emotions. Because some of you have become extremely dangerous because you've found truth, but you're emotionally unstable and you're about to destroy things you never meant to destroy. You're about to hurt people you never meant to hurt. But if you can receive healing today, it can save our marriages. It can save our families. So lift your hands and receive healing. Father, I receive healing. I release healing in the emotional arenas. I pray touch every broken broken heart hele mondo lobosa taramasia la because some of you came here you came here for refuge you came here for healing you might as well receive that healing come on pastor come on bishop it broke your heart watching them walk away it broke your heart watching them do what they did with the truth you so love but receive healing in that emotional arena Come on, let God reveal the contents of your hearts. Let God reveal the contents of your hearts. He showed you His heart. Now would you show Him yours? Jesus' name. I don't know what it is, but I see your heart, ma'am. In your heart, it's like there is a giant welding of two parts of your heart together. A heart that had been so broken is now coming back together. And there's a wholeness in that emotional arena. I'm telling you, people have tore your heart apart. But people that have tore your heart apart, God's going to use a whole new group of people to bring that heart back together. In the name of Jesus, receive it now. Let Him heal that heart right now. Because I see that heart. It's like a broken in a thousand different pieces and you spent most of your life trying to pick up the little pieces of a broken heart while there is a God that's standing behind you with a brand new heart saying don't mess with the pieces of what was when I'm trying to extend to you a heart brand new lift your hands right now and receive a brand new heart Now, now, I see it. I see it. 
Do we feel like we've received that? You feel like God's working? Okay. Because we're going to move on. And it's all going to come together in the end. But we've got to have all these layers taken care of. You've got to allow God to heal us in our minds, our relationships, our emotions. Because the next part of the broken body of Christ, the seed, was the fact that he would go to that whipping post and he would receive 39 stripes on his back. And what is significant about 39 what is significant about 39 stripes until now everything has been in the unseen but that's how the seed works a seed is always planted and it begins to work in the unseen before it ever begins to spring up into the seen so everything until now God has been healing in the unseen parts of us but the 39 stripes is significant because the World Health Organization they have what they call the ICD coding systems where they categorize every uh, major category of disease and illness. And up until 2010, there was only 17 categories of major illness and disease. But in 2010, they made a change and they finally caught up to what the cross had already done 2,000 years ago, in 2010, they changed the ICD coding systems from 17 major categories to 39 major categories of illness and disease. And so what Jesus did on Calvary as the seed, He took a stripe for every sickness, every illness, every disease, and He was laid in that garden grave so that you could have the fruit of healing in your broken body. He took a stripe for cancer. He took a stripe for diabetes. He took a stripe for whether it's blood or whether it's in your bone. He said, I healed it all. It doesn't matter if it's corona. It doesn't matter if it's leukemia. The seed brought healing our broken body. I remember I was in I was in Deer River, Minnesota preaching for a daughter work of Brother Lichtel up there in Minnesota. And I was just kind of, you know, walking kind of like I do when I minister and I was talking about healing and how God heals and how God can do all kinds of healing and I and just kind of same, same lines and as I was walking I was just kind of walking I was talking to people and I was you know, just ministering. And then I kind of just put my hand on one fella's shoulder. And what I didn't know until he testified after, that that same shoulder that I'd put my hand on was the shoulder that had been paralyzed for 30 years. And he said, Brother Near." When you were talking about healing and you laid your hand on my shoulder. He said, I felt it like warm electricity shoot through my shoulder. And he said, look. And he began to go like this. He said, I hadn't been able to do this for 30 years because it's been paralyzed. But when you said Jesus could, he did. And I'm telling you, that same healing is in this house right now. But the reason why we're not responding 
is because maybe there's another healing that's got to happen before we receive healing in our broken bodies. I could tell you, there's times where I've watched God heal little boys with autism. I watched a little boy, he had autism. He had never been able to speak one word in his life. But he came up to an altar. He walked away from his daddy, which he never did. He walked away from his daddy and went to that altar. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And for the first time in his life, he began to speak. And it was in another language, a heavenly language. As he began to speak with other tongues, as a spirit gave the utterance. And he went back to his daddy. And from that moment, he was able to speak just like anybody else from that day forward. He healed not only that boy's mind mind but he healed his body you ready God is fixing that's southern for fitting to heal in this place but there's a reason why we're not responding right now like I thought maybe we would respond. Because there's another part of the body. And before we receive that healing in our physical body, there's one more healing I want to talk to you about. And that healing is the fact that when Jesus was crucified on Calvary, there was one final wound to reference and that was the fact that for him to hang on that tree there would have to be a six to nine inch nail and they would have to overlap the feet for that one six to nine inch nail to go through both feet but for it to bear the weight of his body you ready? Hit something, play something. But for that nail to bear the weight of Jesus' body, they would have to overlap it and then stick that nail, drive that nail through the thickest part of his foot, the heel. This was Jesus bringing healing to our faith. Because life has a way of diminishing our faith after we've been through one thing after another. Our faith diminishes and it's difficult for us to believe what God has done for us and what He can do in us and through us. So when Jesus died on Calvary and that nail went through the thickest part of the foot, it was the heel. And it was Jesus reminding us the devil may have forgot about the very first promise and the very first prophecy, but I have not forgot devil you may bruise my heel but I am going to crush your head the cross was Jesus saying I will never forget what I told you I'll keep every promise I'll fulfill every prophecy so you ready Bishop, he's about to heal our faith. 
Hear me, Church of Omaha. Here's what God spoke to me in the back room. He said, today, I will restore the years that the locust and the canker worm have robbed from you. Hey, God's about to heal your faith. You're going to believe again because the cross was Jesus telling you, I've not forgot about you. I've not forgot about your family. I've not forgot about my word. I've not forgot. So would you lift your hands right now? Jesus is about to, he's about to fulfill every promise and every prophecy. He's not forgot about you. He's not forgot about the decade of promises that he's given us. Lift your hands and just say, Father, I receive healing in my faith. There's healing happening right now. Come on, over all over this house, would you stand to your feet and just extend, extend your faith right now. The gift of faith is here right now. He was saying the devil may have bruised my heel, but I'm about to crush his head when a people remember. When a people remember. That's it, ma'am. Lift your hands right now. That's it, ma'am. Lift your hands. God is restoring your faith to you, a whole and brand new. Now! That's it, Church of Omaha. Can you believe again? Can you believe God for every promise? Can you believe God for your marriage? Can you believe God for your children? Can you believe God? and making your bed and leaving whole not just healed whole in Jesus name God bless you